All right, and uh, welcome in everyone to what turned out to be an incredibly busy day today here uh, on the Pages Dog Nation covering Georgia football. My name is Connor Riley. Uh, get right into it. Uh, first day of the dead period, thought we'd have a show where we'd come on, talk a good bit about recruiting, and we are going to get to that at the end of the show tonight, but Darian Kendrick, uh, former Clemson quarterback, longtime Georgia target through the transfer portal. This has been something that a lot of people, Brandon Adams included, had thought was going to happen dating back to when he was first dismissed from Clemson in June. He ends up on Georgia's roster. Dog Nation can confirm that he is now going to be a Georgia Bulldog this fall. And then not even 15 minutes after that, Arik Gilbert, Rusty Manziel drops the bombshell of all bombshells that Arik Gilbert is in Athens. He is enrolled at Georgia. And he, too, is going to be a Georgia Bulldog. So today, Georgia goes into the transfer portal, pulls out... To this point, probably the two most high-profile names in the transfer portal with Clemson cornerback Darian Kendrick, who obviously fills a huge need there at that cornerback position, and then Arik Gilbert, sort of the Moby Dick white whale to Kirby Smart's Captain Ahab, a longtime target for Georgia, someone that Kirby Smart has so desperately wanted in his program for a long time, now finally a part of this Georgia program, Arik Gilbert transferring in from LSU after Months of mystery. There was a, a decommitment and a commitment to Florida. But at the end of the day, Georgia Kirby Smart gets his guy, Johnny Utah style, and Arik Gilbert will be a Georgia Bulldog. And so we're in touch on that tonight. Obviously, I, I do think this impacts Georgia's national championship outlook where now you potentially have a season where, yeah, going to the college football playoff is nice to now you're taking it to that next level of what might have to actually be a championship or bust season if Kendrick and Gilbert end up being as good as we all think they're going to be. But we'll get to that in due time. Again, Connor Riley here. We do this every Tuesday night on YouTube, talking the latest Georgia football news, notes, comments, questions you might have, and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of them tonight. We'll probably do an extended Q&A session here at the end. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thank you guys so much for that Dog Nation podcast feed. You can find it on Spotify, YouTube, or not YouTube, uh, Apple, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where you can find it on there. We have a bunch of cool stuff on there as well. Jeff puts his Before the Hedges up on there. You've got uh, Brandon Adams. He did a sort of breaking news reacting to all this earlier today. That is going to be on the podcast feed. So ton of stuff to stay tuned for. Great content in there. So thank you guys for listening and subscribing. But without further ado, let's, uh, let's go to the meaty subject of today. Winners and losers from Georgia's transfer editions. Sort of resetting things if you missed it off the top there. Arik Gilbert, LSU tight end, five-star prospect in the 2022 class, the highest-rated tight end prospect in the history of the 247 recruiting rankings, is now a Georgia Bulldog. Darian Kendrick, a former five-star prospect, though as a wide receiver and not as a cornerback, started the last 23 game or 23 games for the Clemson Tigers over the last two seasons, and all ACC performing each of the last two seasons for Clemson. He is now a Georgia Bulldog as well. Georgia goes into the transfer portal, brings in, brings in two more names. Now, this does put them at the 85 total that people seem to care about. So there may not be any more additions unless there's some more potential turnover on the Georgia roster. But two big names. They fill, I think, two, two of Georgia's three biggest needs to this point in the calendar. Kendrick, again, we'll start with him because I think he's much more of a known entity and what you're going to get from him. And actually, instead of that... We're going to save the Kendrick and Gilbert stuff. I realize I'm doing my show out of order here. We're going to start with winners and losers. Now that we've sort of set the table here on Kendrick and Gilbert and what they're bringing in, let's sort of expand on this because these two additions have impacts that ripple not just across the Georgia roster, but I think across the entirety of, of the college football landscape, at least amongst those that are competing for a national championship. And so we're going to start with the winners, the big winners of this 
of these two splurging in two big additions. And first name that comes to mind here is quarterback JT Daniels. And I, I bring up JT here because Arik Gilbert is a guy who he's going to play that wide receiver position for Georgia. I know in talking with Terrence Edwards, this was a guy that some people thought could play wide receiver at Georgia. And after reading uh, Gilbert's comments to Rusty Menzel, that's what he's coming to Georgia to play. And so I think that fills a huge hole, that, not a huge hole, but a sizable hole that Georgia has at that X position. Obviously, George Pickens going down hurt the Georgia offense. They don't have a sort of stud freak playmaker out there at that X position. I think Gilbert can be that for JT Daniels. Now, obviously, there's still some questions that Gilbert has to answer in terms of being eligible right away. But if he's able to do that, and again, I don't think Georgia brings Arik Gilbert in if they don't think they can get him to play right away. Because of that, I think that having a guy like Arik Gilbert out there where they're going to be able to move him around the formation, I think is going to be huge and critical to the continued development of JT Daniels. And so ultimately, I think that's a big win for him there. Another guy to bring up, Todd Hartley, Georgia's tight ends coach here. He is a guy who, if you talk to recruits, he's a great, you will not find a bad word said about Todd Hartley in terms of a recruiter. And I absolutely think he played a pivotal role for Georgia in going out and landing a Reed Gilbert. Now, obviously, I don't think Gilbert's going to play a whole lot of tight end this season. I'll mention here, Darnell Washington is a winner as well, because now, Washington's no longer just the lone supersized body on the field, and now teams are really going to have to pick and choose how they want to try and put multiple players on those two guys, and I expect both of them to benefit. Pivoting a little bit here to the Kendrick edition, I think the two winners here, Jamil Adai and the Georgia secondary. Georgia now has a cornerback, not just with starting experience, something they didn't have before today. They've got a guy who's played into college football playoff games in Darien, three college football playoff games in Darien Kendrick. He started 23 games for the Clemson Tigers. He brings a level of experience there to where now I think Georgia can feel a lot more comfortable about who they play at that other cornerback position, how they bring along guys like Jalen Kimber and Keely Ringo, guys who are young and have high ceilings, but at the same point in time, you don't know what they're going to be when those bullets are live and those rounds are sort of getting out there. And, and, Kendrick is not the first addition that Georgia has made to its secondary this offseason. He's actually the third, joining Tyke Smith from West Virginia, who's going to play, I think, the star position for Georgia. And then Brandon Turnage, who come over for Alabama. He's sort of a major Burns replacement. I think he's going to be a depth piece for Georgia this year. Could find his way on a playing field in a pinch, but I think long-term he's a safety prospect for the Bulldogs back there. But the Georgia secondary had to get some new infusion of talent in there just because they lost five players from that secondary a year ago for them being drafted. And DJ Daniel, I think, is talented enough to potentially make an NFL roster. So you had five NFL players potentially on your secondary. You lose all that. And yes, college football, and I've been at the forefront of this, I think, Defensive back play doesn't mean as much or doesn't matter as much as it used to in college football, but you still need somebody out there to slow these guys down, and I absolutely think Darian Kendrick makes this Georgia secondary better, and I think more importantly, it makes life easier for Jamal Adai, Georgia's new defensive backs coach. He's going to have seen some things before, obviously opening up against Clemson and knowing that program and what to expect, playing in big-time games. So I think with all that being said, I think the Georgia secondary and the Georgia passing game are real winners when it comes to the additions that we saw today. On the other hand, there are some, there are some losers out here uh, because of this, and some of them you know, are obvious, I think, and some of them are maybe a little less so. you got to think about it. So the losers when it comes to these transfers edition, two teams that Georgia both happens to play next year, and then George Pickens and the young cornerbacks. We sort of touched on Pickens uh, a little bit earlier. 
I wonder what this addition of Gilbert means for Pickens long term. Obviously, it's it's far too soon, and don't read anything into this. It's far too soon to assume that he's going to be a guy Pickens in terms of what he looks like coming back from his injury, whether good or bad at this point. It's far too soon to say, oh, I know what Pickens is going to be, but. And bringing in a guy like Gilbert, it, it, it does make me wonder a little bit more how this Georgia staff feels about George Pickens and where he might be and what his thinking might be. Because there's a very good chance George Pickens, e- even before bringing in Gilbert, had played his last down for Georgia. He could absolutely choose to rehab at Georgia, but I like to sort of preserve his knee, continue training for the combine, and, and get ready for the NFL draft next year. Because as we've sort of already seen, he is a first-round talent off of what he has done at Georgia. And so now... With Gilbert coming back, there's less of maybe a need for Pickens to rush back out there, and he can take things a little bit more slowly and preserve his long-term health as opposed to just rushing to be back out there on the field with his teammates because he brings something that nobody else to this Georgia team brought. I think Gilbert can do some of those things. Obviously, he's not the leaper, or I don't know if he has the exact straight-line speed that uh, Pickens does, but Pickens wasn't exactly the fastest player in the world either. So I think Pickens or Gilbert excuse me, can replicate a lot of what Pickens brought. Two teams that I think really miss out or lose out because of what Georgia went out and did today. Clemson Tigers, most obvious here. You know, Darian Kendrick is a guy that knows that program. And Georgia's, I think, biggest weakness for that first game was that cornerback position. He shures that up. He knows what he's going to see when he lines up against either EJ Williams, Frank Lasden, Joseph Nada, or Justin Ross, assuming he gets cleared. That is a big advantage for Georgia in that game. I don't expect him to know the calls, the checks, the schemes, and whatnot for that first game that Clemson's going to do. It's not like he knows the ins and outs of what Clemson's game plan is going to be from that first game. But he does know this program well, and he can tell teammates what to expect from there. And I will say, Dabo Sweeney had to absolutely know that this was a possibility when Kendrick was dismissed from the team. He, these guys do all, have all these GAs, have all these off-field analysts. They know what teams they're playing and the strengths and weaknesses they have. He knew very well there was a chance that Darian Kendrick could end up at Georgia. But Clemson feels very good about its cornerback depth and what it has back there. And I think they're still going to have an incredibly strong defense, even without Kendrick on their side. But with what Kendrick brings to the game, I, I don't know if it swings the point spread all that much, but that is a tangible boost, I think, to the Georgia team for that first game against Clemson, which I think is going to have a huge say in the, co- in the way the college football playoff standings shake out this year. And then the second team is Florida. Dan Mullen got a pretty sizable raise today, making him the third highest paid coach in the SEC. And he just saw Kirby Smart make two big-time transfer portal additions to his team. And, you know, Dan's, Dan Mullen, one of the, the saving graces for him, so to speak, is while he hasn't been an, a great on-field or er, high school recruiter, he's done pretty well when it comes to the transfer portal. Well, if Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are going to get involved with the transfer portal as they have this offseason, make this a continuous thing, that's only going to hurt Dan Mullen more when it comes to this. Obviously, Florida's still going to be very attractive, especially with his recent track record of development there when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. But again, if Eric Gilbert and Darian Kendrick pan out and play well for Georgia and then go on to be high draft picks, which they absolutely have the ceilings to do, it only makes the job harder for Dan Mullen. And especially when they thought they had a guy in Gilbert who could be their Kyle Pitts replacement, for him to line up against them this year and see him down in Jacksonville, that's going to be a really tough pill to swallow. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if Georgia really uses Gilbert in an aggressive way against Florida in that game, just given the past history between Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart in that game. So that's sort of the winners and losers there off the top of the show. Yeah, and this is Connor and coverage, resetting things here a little bit. My name is Connor Riley. Huge day on Georgia football beat. 
Darian Kendrick, Clemson cornerback, transfers into the program. Arik Gilbert transfers into the portal, uh, the, in the, into the program from LSU. So we had so much news. Tyke Smith uh, officially arrived at Georgia today. We don't have a tweet pulled up for him, but he announced that he was on campus. I think that's a C, that, that might be, in terms of on-field impact, potentially even bigger than both Darian Kendrick and Arik Gilbert in terms of the impact that they make over the course of the season next year. But moving ahead to our second topic here, and we're already running a little heavy, so I'll try and speed this up a little bit. What Arik Gilbert and Darian Kendrick specifically are bringing to Georgia? We'll start with Kendrick here because I think that's a little more obvious. He's bringing starting quality experience to this Georgia secondary, specifically to the cornerback position, and it's not something that they had uh, coming out of spring practice. I'll be interested to see how this impacts the developments of Jalen Kimber and Keely Ringo. Obviously, uh, Kendrick is a one-year player. He's gonna, he is a senior this year. And, and ultimately, Georgia still needs to develop Ringo and Kimber into long-term prospects so that this isn't a continuous issue with the Georgia program. But he's got 23 career starts. He's played at a high level. He's played in big-time games. Now, he hasn't always been perfect in those big-time games. And I believe the stat is David Hale pulled it up. And I don't have a screen grab here for you, but... Last year in the Clemson-Ohio State college football playoff game, Justin Fields was 4-for-4 for for 122 yards when targeting Kendrick in pass coverage. Kendrick is a little bit of a gambler. He's a little bit better in zone than he is in man, and I think that can be chalked up to the fact that he's only been playing cornerback for the last two seasons. He originally arrived at Clemson as a wide receiver, and so Kirby Smart is getting a little bit of a project in Darian Kendrick, and that's a real benefit to a guy that has the starting experience that he's looking for, but Will Muschamp is a great secondary coach. Jamila Dye is someone I think Georgia is absolutely very high on. And Kirby Smart is one of the best secondary coaches in all of college football. So if you think there's a, a coach out there that can get the most out of a talent like Kendrick, who's a little rough around the edges in terms of his on-field play, you have to like what Kirby Smart is going to be able to bring out of Kendrick there. When it comes to Arik Gilbert, I think this guy should be your ex for Georgia this year. You, obviously, you have some guys, Marcus Rosemey, Jack St., Justin Robinson, who are going to play there as well. There's going to be a healthy rotation there. But when it comes to those big-time games, those big games that matter, Clemson, Florida, potentially an SEC championship game against Alabama, a college football playoff-type game, that's where I think Arik Gilbert is really going to shine. I don't think Arik Gilbert right now is going to be Georgia's leading receiver this year. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. And I, I thought Brandon Adams actually did a great job on a show earlier today of bringing up Demetrius Robertson, a guy who, you know, five-star prospect, spent his freshman year at Cal, had over 700 yards receiving freshman All-American season, and D-Rob, for whatever reason, has never panned out or even lived up to the expectations that he set in his time at Cal. And so I think we do need to be careful about some of this stuff. And obviously, there are the academic questions that Gilbert needs to work through. But I think you saw last year in brief flashes from Gilbert, he absolutely has the talent to be a difference maker. More specifically, a difference maker in games where the athletic feats or the athletic abilities are even. Because in a lot of these games, Georgia's just able to out-athlete teams. You know, South Carolina, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee at this point in time. Georgia just has better athletes. And so in that game, it doesn't need Arik Gilbert to take over and dominate because they have so many other guys. Because, like, say, Jermaine Burton has an athletic advantage over the cornerback he's playing. Or Kendall Milton has such a pronounced athletic advantage over the linebackers that he's going to see from South Carolina, so to speak. But in the games that really matter where, say, you're, ta you're taking on a team where it's at least close to the talent gap or the blue-chip advantage. Those are the games where we've seen tight ends or at least big-bodied wide receivers that Arik Gilbert is really take over. You think O.J. Howard never had the great statistical seasons at Alabama, but when they played Clemson, Alabama absolutely made sure to use the most out of O.J. Howard because they knew that 
Clemson just didn't have a guy that can match up with, with his size and speed combination. And I don't think there are a whole lot of players out there that can match up athletically with Arie Gilbert. And so because of that, I think you're going to see in those big game, big moments, you're going to see a guy like Arie Gilbert really step up and make plays. You think last year back to that Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. Georgia really turned to George Pickens in that game because as good as Cincinnati was, and while the talent advantage may not have been what people thought it was, that Cincinnati team was ready to play. George Pickens was someone they just could not cover, and I think that really showed up in that game that day. Arian Smith's speed played a big role in flipping the field with a 55-yard catch in that game. So in those really big games, I think that's where you see Georgia take advantage of Arik Gilbert. I still expect Jermaine Burton to have more receiving yards than Gilbert next season. I still expect Kyrus Jackson to have more receiving yards than Arik Gilbert next year. But in those huge games, that Clemson game that comes to mind, that Florida game, where the talent gap is a little bit more narrow than Georgia's going to see over the course of most of its games this season, I expect those are the games where you see Arik Gilbert having a, a sizable impact on that game. And really, I mean, you, and I'll have a story on this tomorrow morning. You've already sort of start, started to see the national media narrative start to turn from, well, now Georgia's got no excuses because they have all this talent out there. And I, I wouldn't quite go that far, but... I mean, the additions you make today are the types of additions where they show up and make differences in college football playoff games. Adding Darian Kendrick and adding Arik Gilbert, those weren't moves made to win the SEC or to win the SEC East. Those were moves made to, to beat Alabama, which obviously if you do that, you're winning the SEC. But the, the larger point is you're, doing, you're bringing these types of players in to win you college football playoff games. And, and if that's what Georgia's going to do this season, it's going to need plays to be made over the course of the year from Arik Gilbert, and from Darian Kendrick. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, that's why Georgia brought these guys in because they have the potential in those big, huge games. And obviously Kendrick, as we've already seen, has not played great when he's been in the college football playoff uh, against LSU in in the 2019 title game and then last year against Ohio State. He has not looked great in those two games. But he's the type of player that can make make a difference for you and make those one or two necessarily winning plays that, quite frankly, haven't gone Georgia's way in those big games against Alabama in recent seasons. So most specifically, I think Georgia brings in Arik Gilbert and they bring in Darian Kendrick to beat Alabama and to win that those types of games to make it super, super simplified there. But we're going to have tons of stuff to time and time to talk about Gilbert and Kendrick. We're going to have cover four later this week. I'm sure we're going to be all the way balls to the walls with talking about them, but let's pivot. And cause I want to give you guys a ton of time for questions. We're going to pivot here a little bit quickly away from the Gilbert and away from the Kendrick stuff because we're going to have a ton of questions. I'm sure you guys want to know how this all came together, where that, where Georgia goes from here in terms of roster developing, a.k.a. they're not going to be able to add a whole lot more because they're already at 85 scholarships. But let's move on to our sort of last little plan subject here. The dead period is dead. Uh, recruiting is back. It is technically a quiet period, but starting today, prospects were able to start visiting campuses again. Georgia had a ton of of top-rated talent in its campus, in its brand-new Georgia football facility. You've seen stuff all over social media today. Jeff Sintel, about an hour ago, popped up a live blog that I encourage you to read. We're going to keep that updated throughout the month of June as today is not just a busy day. It is an incredibly busy month from the beginning to the end. But there were a couple you know, sizable things, at least, to notice from the recruiting beat today that I at least want to bring your attention to. And the first one here, if you're watching on video is Kamari Wilson, a guy who's taking his official visit to Georgia this weekend. He's a five-star safety at IMG Academy. I think someone who, with the questions Georgia has at safety, especially with uh, Chris Smith and Lewisine looking like guys who are going to be in the NFL next season, 
he he's a very big target for Georgia and for him to for Wilson to pop up here love it here posing with a picture with Kirby Smart in the new uh, football only facility that's something I think you like to see from Georgia he's going to be taking an official visit this weekend and if Georgia can get his recruitment wrapped up sooner rather than later and there is a little bit of an expectation that's the case He's going to be a huge benefactor in terms of going out and recruiting some of his IMG teammates, Tyler Booker, Dalen Everett, uh, Keon Sapp, who I'm going to pull up here for a second as well. Um, I didn't. Uh, well, I don't have a Keon Sapp um, screen grab, but he did do a top six, and Georgia is in that. And if Georgia can land both Wilson and Sab, that is going to drastically remake the secondary, especially when you consider they're bringing in Malachi Starks as well, who is at least going to start his career at safety, but could certainly move around quite a bit in his time at Georgia. But Georgia already making an impression. There was another uh, 2023 five-star prospect from IMG in Athens today, Malik Bryant. That's a big name to know as well. All the visitors are, are going to be coming through Athens. We've got a ton of content coming out of that this coming month, or this coming month, really. And while I don't expect a lot of commitments from uh, this month of June, you might see two, potentially maybe three, uh, at least when it comes to the 2022 recruiting class. This month is going to go a long way in shaping how Georgia's final 2022 and ultimately 2023 recruiting classes end up ranking because this is going to be a chance for them to see one how interested are these prospects in them because they've only really been communicating over zoom this is the first time to meet the coaches in person to to see this brand new 80 million dollar football facility and they're going to go to a really really good idea of where they stand with prospects and conversely where other prospects stand with schools because if they had felt oh you know i'm feeling actually pretty good about where i am or where georgia is with this prospect but He's taken visits elsewhere, and he hasn't yet come to Georgia during this month. That might give you a pretty good idea that you might want to adjust your recruiting board. And so because of that, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns this month. Guys who, at the beginning of the month, you thought, hey, these guys might be going to Georgia. End of the month, they could be committed elsewhere. Or at the beginning of the month, they're going to be guys we don't even know who they are at this point in time. And at the end of the month, they're going to be massive names to know when it comes to the recruiting picture over these couple of seasons and and it's going to be a I think a very pivotal month for obviously all of college football but Georgia football obviously around here that's the number one thing we care about and so because of that it's just a huge month and there's going to be so much going on so make sure you stay tuned to Dog Nation uh there was one little thing one last little thing I wanted to pull up here uh I think this is a little sentimental not a big name recruit but uh Drew Bobo earned an offer from the University of Georgia today. He tweeted it out around the 6 o'clock hour. And I think, you know, this is obviously, I think, a really cool thing. Obviously, Drew Bobo, the son of current Auburn offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, who is the former, obviously, offensive coordinator quarterback at Georgia. Him and Kirby Smart are great friends, former teammates in their time at UGA. But I thought this was a really cool moment for Drew Bobo to earn that offer. And, you know, obviously, there's still a long way to go with this offensive line recruiting class. It is not a need for Georgia in terms of, the ultimate class, ultimate class. They're going to wait and try and get the best guys they can. Tyler Booker and Addison Nichols, two guys who are visiting this month. Booker is visiting with his IMG teammates on the weekend of the 18th. And Nichols is visiting this weekend. I think those are their top two targets right now when it comes to the offensive line. But Georgia's always going to try and take at least three bodies there. And Drew Bobo, now, Drew Bobo can now be considered, I think, one of those guys as a potential project offensive lineman because, quite frankly, Georgia's recruited so well on the offensive line in recent years. It's going to be hard for, I think, this cycle and next cycle to, to convince guys to come play here just because 
you can't really sell them early playing time unless they are a true freak gift one of one player. You know, you've got guys like Michael Morris and Dylan Fairchild, who I think are going to be potential starting offensive linemen in the SEC. And I'm as high on Dylan Fairchild as anyone. But they're going to be guys who are at least going to have to redshirt their first year and might even have to sit a second year. You look at a guy like Jamari Sawyer, who was a top 10 overall prospect in his recruiting class. It took him three years, really, to get on the field at Georgia. And I think you're going to see more and more of that when it comes to the offensive line. So Drew Bobo, I think maybe now a name to know, a name that had been monitored. Obviously, his dad is the offensive coordinator at Auburn. But a really cool story and a really cool offer there for a guy who has deep Georgia ties. So I thought that was sort of a neat little thing to come out of today. But uh, we've got about 25 minutes now, and usually I go another five before opening up for questions, but I can tell the chat is already very excited. So if you've got comments or questions, I'm going to scroll through right now, do my best to answer them. Thoughts, you know, what do you like about Arik Gilbert? What do you like about Darian Kendrick? What do you want to see next out of Georgia? How this impacts them, how it impacts the Clemson game. Uh, we've got a ton to talk about, so fire away when you're ready. Uh, scrolling back up here, oh boy. This is like a Brandon Adams comment show. Um, let's see. Raphael Wright, today was like National Signing Day coming from the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I have a graphic here of the transfer portal additions that Georgia has brought in. Obviously, Gilbert, and I think Gilbert's going to be a wide receiver at Georgia, at least this year. I think that's the best way to optimize both his skill set and Darnell Washington's skill set and get both those guys on the field. I think that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to watch. Obviously, Darian Kendrick, he's coming in to play cornerback. Georgia needs a starting cornerback or a cornerback with starting experience. He absolutely fills that. 23 career starts in his time at Clemson. Started in college football playoff games. I don't think that's something that could be overlooked. Tyke Smith is actually the guy who, if you're asking me who's going to make the biggest impact at Georgia next year. I think it's him because he's a little bit, he doesn't have some of the questions that Kendrick and Gilbert have hanging over them. And so because of that, I think he's going to be able to come in, play right away, play in that secondary and play, I think, a really big role for this Georgia program. And then Brandon Turnage, a guy we touched on a little bit earlier, comes from a really strong and successful program in Alabama. Uh, he might be a depth piece, but again, that's a quality player, top 110 player in his recruiting class and a guy that I think G Georgia has plans of developing into a one-day starter in their secondary. So uh, a big day. Uh, Brian Wright asked, did you have any idea this was coming? So I'll take you behind the curtain here. Well, I was out and about uh, on Memorial Day weekend visiting friends, doing stuff. I had my laptop with me everywhere because I, I was a little worried that at any moment uh, this news could all break like it did today in the span of 15 minutes. So we had a we had Dog Nation here. We're at least aware of it. And if you read our site, you know, you see all the Darian Kendrick stories. You saw the Eric Gilbert stories. This has been something that I think plugged in Georgia fans had known was coming. I don't think anyone expected it to pop off in a 15-minute in a span uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. But that's sort of the way the news cycle goes today, especially when um, – and obviously, it's the first day that recruiting sort of picks up again. So it's sort of like a tornado of content, so to speak, and it all coming together at once. Um, John Hammond, y'all better pray Kendrick don't get matched up against Ross. Well, Ross needs to be on the field first. Ross has not yet been cleared. Uh, he's referring to Justin Ross there. But, yeah, that's certainly something to consider with Kendrick. And I know some people might, might praise the addition of him, but Kendrick is not a perfect cornerback by any stretch of the means. And I think you just need to go back and watch his last two college football playoff performances to show that. But again, he's a young player when it comes to that cornerback position. He's only been there for two years and he's going to work with a great defensive backs coach in Kirby Smart and a guy that I think is going to be able to get the most out of Kendrick. And Kendrick is a little bit better of a zone player than a, a straight man corner. And Kirby Smart has gone on record and said, I want to play more zone this year and get better at it. So I think that is somewhere where Darian Kendrick is absolutely going to be able to help this team out. Um, let's see, questions, comments, 
Uh, P. Rich, yeah, E.J. Williams, I don't know, might be better than Ross, but E.J. Williams is a really talented receiver and a guy who is, Georgia is – he's going to give Georgia some problems when those two teams meet on September 4th. So that is absolutely something to be, uh, be considered. Uh, let's see. Uh, Green Soldier waiting for Bama fans to eat their words. Alabama fans aren't worried about it. If they are worried about Georgia, they're not worried about the right things. This Alabama team, while, yes, they're reloading, turning over a ton of things on offense, I still expect Alabama to probably run through the SEC West, just given I don't know what we're going to get out of Texas A&M at this point. And they're either 11-1 or 12-0 and playing in the SEC championship game. And by that point in the season, Bryce Young's not going to be a first-year starter anymore. He's going to be a guy that's seen some things and had some experience. Those young wide receivers are going to be guys who they're not exactly the first-year guys you get at the beginning of the season. They're going to be experienced. They're going to have gone through uh, College Station and Texas A&M. They're going to have played LSU. They're going to have played in an Iron Bowl. At the end of the season, I still absolutely expect uh, Alabama to win there, to be there. And that wasn't a Freudian slip for those out there. But, uh, you know, Georgia's been talent-wise as close to Alabama as any team has been in recent seasons. And until they actually go out there and do it, I'm always just going to be a little skeptical of Georgia against Alabama, just given how those games have shaken out in recent years where Georgia's had the halftime lead in each of the last three times they've played, and they've just been unable to make those winning plays in the second half. Now, maybe Gilbert and Kendrick are the types of players that can make those winning plays for you, but until I see that, I'm always just going to be a little skeptical of, of Georgia and Alabama. Uh, let's see. Comments, thoughts, questions. Let's see. Yeah. A lot of Clemson fans in here. I think that tells you a lot about how they feel. Rich has some experience back there. They brought in recruit Nate Wiggins, who a lot of people like. And, you know, he, he was, I think, a top 120 prospect, but a guy that I think was going to end up outplaying that recruiting ranking. Clemson's defense is going to be just fine, especially with that defensive line. So, while, well, yes, it is a loss for, for Clemson, and it does sting that they're going to see him in the first game of the season. Clemson's defense is going to be just fine. I expect them to win the rest of their games, win the ACC again, and it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if you see Georgia and Clemson in the in, in the first game of the college football playoff where the winner of the first game of the season is the one seed and the loser is the four seed. So it would not surprise me in the slightest if Georgia and Clemson end up playing twice this season. Uh, let's see. Grundy, he has the dogs by seven over Clemson. I'll be interested to see what these moves or how these moves impact the line when it comes to Georgia Clemson. Clemson was about a three and a half, three point favorite, depending on, depending on the book where you can get it at. This might knock it down to two and a half. Georgia's a more public team than Clemson. And so I think you're going to see a lot of money come on them anyway. And maybe by the time this game kicks off, maybe Clemson is a one point favorite, or maybe this game is even just a straight pick them at that point in time. Uh, let's see. Um, Thoughts, comments. Uh, Hellrell asked, "Why did he leave LSU?" I think he wanted. I, I, you know, LSU. There was that program was in a lot of turmoil last year, and if if things don't go well for them at the end of the season, where they win a one score game against Ole Miss, and then they obviously win the the Golden Shoe game against Florida, they're looking at a three and seven season. They had a lot of opt outs. Uh, Jamar Chase opted out there. While he ended up being a top draft pick, he did not opt out, in my opinion, to protect his draft stock. There was a lot of rumblings behind the scenes of things not going well there at LSU. And, you know, uh, Gilbert has come out and said he is he was homesick. Uh, he wants to be closer to home. He wants to have his family come see him and play every every Saturday. And while 
the sort of media industry as a whole, and Dog Nation is just as guilty of this as anybody, has sort of swallowed and, and enveloped Arik Gilbert. He's not a loud, boisterous, sort of talkative guy. He's a quiet, usually keeps to himself. Terrence Edwards, his trainer, brought up where Gilbert would go training and go and would go work out, and he would go hours without looking at his phone just because he he's just not into that. And so I, I think that all sort of got caught up with him in his time in the transfer portal Obviously, he's made him a big name, but I think ultimately he wanted to be closer to his home, closer to his family. Georgia, a great opportunity for him, someone that was very involved in his recruitment. And credit to Kirby Smart here, kept on good terms with Gilbert even when he ended up picking LSU. And that's something where you think Gus Malzahn, you remember the comments he made about George Pickens years ago. I think that's one thing where Kirby has very much realized in the modern age, hey, even if you don't land someone, you still have to be on good terms because there's a great chance you could end up getting them a second time around when it comes to the recruiting through the transfer portal. So uh, let's see, scrolling. Uh, String Gene, I I think Gilbert finds himself this season I, I again you know, I'm someone who's followed high school football pretty closely over the last 12 13 years in the state of Georgia Arik Gilbert is one of the five five best high school football players in the state of Georgia he is an unbelievable talent and I and I'm someone who thinks Georgia high school football is the best high school football in the entire country and so for for me to say that about Gilbert I think speaks highly of just how high his ceiling is and you know you don't want to compare him to Kyle Pitts but I think this guy can be every bit as good as Kyle Pitts was for Florida last season, whether it be at Georgia or at the NFL level. I think Gilbert is absolutely that talented. Now, one thing here, Georgia's going to have to get him the ball because Florida made it a point last year to get Kyle Pitts the ball. And in years past, Georgia has not made it an effort to get those types of players, more specifically tight ends, the football. They're going to have to try and get the ball to Gilbert. You saw them do that a little bit last year with Darnell Washington later in the season. And if they're able to do the same with Gilbert here, I think that's going to be a very good sign to unlocking the full potential of Arik Gilbert. Um, Let's see. Uh, Comments, questions, thoughts. We'll probably go a few more minutes here. Uh, Again, busy day, busy day. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Brandon Ash. I think this is Brandon hits a hail, uh, head on or nail on the head. Uh, is this enough to get us over the hump for that national title? These are the types of moves where, if they work out, yes, that that's 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 the reason you go out and add a Reek Gilbert. That's the reason you go out and add a Darian Kendrick because I, I think the staff is still incredibly high on guys like Keely Ringo, Jalen Kimber, Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, Justin Robinson, Darnell Washington, at those various positions. But these are guys where there's a window this year because. Alabama's reloading a little bit. Clemson is reloading a little bit. And I know everyone likes DJ Uyunglele, but Trevor Lawrence is a generational prospect back there at quarterback. Travis Etienne is the all-time leader, leading rusher in the history of the ACC. Those guys aren't easy to replace. And we've seen programs that have tons of money, schools like Florida, Texas, really struggle to replace those generational-type players. And while Clemson was able to do it once, going from Deshaun Watson to, you know, obviously it was a Kelly Bryant bridge year, and then Trevor Lawrence after that. It's not a slam dunk that it is straight smooth sailing for DJ Uyungle, even though he has sky-high talent. Uh, you look at Ohio State, they're having to replace Justin Fields. There's a real, I think, window this year for Georgia and Oklahoma, teams that, you know, they've been on the outside of the playoff or close to the fringes of it. Georgia usually loses to the SEC powerhouse in the SEC championship game in recent years. Oklahoma then gets its doors blown off in that first college football playoff game. I think there's a real opportunity for those two teams this year to make that jump, win not just a college football playoff game, but ultimately a national title. And I tell you what, a Georgia-Oklahoma national title, which unfortunately would be played in Indianapolis because that is where the national title game would be played this year, 
I think that'd be great theater. And I think actually it'd be really good for college football if you could see that because, again, it's a departure from from Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, who I believe are the – and I guess LSU has as well. But Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson are three of the four teams to win a national title. So if, if you get a, a Georgia-Oklahoma national title game, so to speak, you're getting a new champion in the college football playoff. And ultimately I think that's good for the health of the sport – and then it sort of spreads things out, and there's a little bit more parity. You don't want pure parity every year, but you want to maybe expand the number of teams that can realistically win a national title on a year-in, year-out basis from essentially right now three. Could you get that number to six, maybe hopefully eight one day? I think this is a really important year for both the Georgia and Oklahoma programs because I do think there is a window. Um, yeah, William Perry, uh, does Gilbert's arrival hurt Justin Robinson's playing time? Uh, he's going to eat into that. I think you're going to. I think you're going to see Gilbert line up at that X position, and that's going to impact Justin Robinson, Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint, and even George Pickens, the guy we touched on at the top of the show there. So I absolutely think that is yes. Uh, let's see comments, questions. Uh, HBO, we don't do Facebook on this show. I don't have the computing power to be able to do that, so we just do YouTube streaming. You can also get this as a podcast as well. Uh, got a four, four dogs. Eric Gilbert is a generational talent based off what he was in high school. Absolutely agree with that sentiment there. He is a rare, rare talent. There just are not many six, five, 255 pound. I'm not calling him a tight end anymore. He, he is a pass catcher. He is a wide receiver and there just are not many players like him, uh, in, in the recent history of, of recruiting. You know, if he were, you know, Obviously, I think you look at recruiting rankings in recent years, you're either a quarterback or a pass rusher because that reflects the NFL draft. And there aren't a lot of wide receivers this year excluded a little bit going in the top part of the draft. But I think Gilbert is absolutely that generational type talent and could be similar to Kyle Pitts if everything sort of clicks for him. Um, Let's see. But, um, you know, we've got about, say, 38, 39 minutes now. Uh, Aniki Ukudo brings up Notre Dame, Texas, UGA play a huge impact. Yeah, I think uh, Texas, or Texas and Notre Dame are similarly programs that I think for the health of the sport of college football, you'd love to see them get involved. They've just And Notre Dame, to its credit, has made two playoffs in recent years. But similar, I think, to Oklahoma, they're a pretty clear step behind where that top tier of, of Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio, and Alabama are. Now, Georgia, I think, has the talent of those top four teams, but the Stars, for a variety of reasons, poor offensive play in 2019, quarterback issues at the beginning of 2020. Because of that, you're sort of haven't seen Georgia make that leap. But, you know, I'm going to write about this tomorrow morning. There aren't a whole lot of excuses for this year for Georgia. You have the talent. You have the quarterback in JT Daniels. The only real worry to me still is that offensive line and how that comes together. But that's a, a game 13 issue, I, I think, more than a game one issue. Obviously, Clemson is going to have a def- great defensive line, and they, Georgia shouldn't have that offensive line figured out by that point in time. But you have a, a great front seven. You have a ton of talent on that defense. You've recruited, I think at this point, better than anybody. You've made big-time additions in the transfer portal. You've kept a lot of your coaching staff intact. Charlton Warren, the only replacement Georgia has to make off its staff this year. Whereas you look at a program like Alabama, all the turnover that they had, Ohio State having to replace Justin Fields, Clemson losing two program-defining players uh, along with some turnover that they've seen on their roster there. There is a window for Georgia this year, and you've already sort of started to see the national media spin into this, and I think Georgia should lean into it too. 
you shouldn't have an excuse this year. And while, you know, then I don't buy the now or never thing. I think Georgia's championship window, as demonstrated by its recruiting and the way it's used the transfer portal, is still wide open. It might not be a now or never season, but I do kind of think that it's a no excuse season. And so because of that, you know, championship expectations, as high as they already were, somehow just got a little bit higher here for Georgia in the 2021 season. So we've got about 40 minutes here. We're going to wrap it up, but we're going to have a ton of coverage and content coming for you for the rest of the week. Talking the latest in Georgia football, a ton of recruiting stuff still coming for this week. Obviously, huge official visit weekend on tap. Oscar Delp, Kojo Antwi, Addison Nichols, uh, Kamari Wilson, all big official visitors this weekend. Jeff's going to have you guys covered, smothered, chunked, capped, however you like your hash browns or Waffle House, tomorrow night on Before the Hedges. And then we're going to do a cover four on Thursday that should be incredibly lively. Uh, really looking forward to that. Obviously, Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. You got to hear him a little bit earlier this afternoon. I'm going to tell you he is so excited to do his show tomorrow morning, so make sure you tune in that. Obviously, Mike Griffith on the beat. He's back now from California, so Dog Nation has you guys absolutely covered. Huge day for the Georgia football program. Uh, Eric Gilbert, finally. Uh, Kirby Smart's sort of white whale. His, his Moby Dick is, is a Georgia Bulldog. Darian Kendrick, a, a Georgia Bulldog as well. Recruiting is back up. It's an incredibly busy time in the Georgia football program, so make sure you stay tuned to Dog Nation. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and Coverage. Thanks for checking us out. We're back here every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. as well. We have podcasts go up early tomorrow morning, so thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great summer. I know everyone's out of school now, so thanks for tuning in. Big day for Georgia football. Big week, big month for Georgia football, so make sure you stay tuned to Dog Nation. My name is Connor Riley. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in.